0: tuned into cfcr 90.5 fm it's time for the nerdy news it's punch radio with brennan and dave and jody and we have a lot of comics to talk about and we have a few movies that we want to talk about i guess in the big world uh the olympics the winter olympics are on it's like that has a big so what in my book um, I'm definitely more interested in the Jelly Marble Maniacs. Uh, they just had their fourth event last week, the Obstacle Run, and it was spectacular. More interesting to me than anything that Beijing can offer. I'll just put that out
1: there. Sure. Yeah, he's he's trying new things, getting the marbles to do stuff we haven't seen them do before, which I guess, nostalgia aside, you kind of have to do that to, to keep people interested.
0: Yeah, and uh, they're still doing a halftime Uh, show, a kind of a little mini rave in the middle of the event, which uh, I I have to uh, say I approve of. All right. So today, right off the bat, I need to talk about Saga first. So this came out last week. This is huge. This is Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples' amazing space love story. It's been on hiatus for three years. We've been waiting for a new issue to come out. And I'm just so excited that it's out. I'm, I cu- I can't even really tell you if it's good because I'm just so excited. I think it's good, uh, but I but I'm just I love the story. I love the characters. I'm glad that they're back in my life. It's interesting that in the three years since we had an issue, they've basically kept pace with that time frame. So Hazel, uh, Alana's daughter, she's now about three years older, and she's a bit of a rapscallion scallion very uh, precocious youngster who is getting into all kinds of trouble and she is under the guidance of her mother Alana, and a new character Bombazine and she has got a step brother who is a robot of royal lineage so there's an interesting family dynamic going on there for sure and then there are some other Returns uh, characters that we know and love. So Lying Cat is back. Hooray.
1: Is it bigger? Seems yeah. like it's bigger. I don't remember it being as like big cat sized.
0: No, it's big. I think
1: sort of like Hazel, it's, it's grown up a little bit.
0: Maybe. I don't, I don't re- recall that it was especially bigger. Okay. But the Will is back as well. And so that's exciting. And I'm excited to see where that goes because he's still hunting for Alana and her family.
1: Is the release of Saga after a three-year layoff, is that like the biggest news in comic books for this past week?
0: I think so. I mean, there's always number ones that are out that people probably care more about. You know, there's always DC. There's always like some new Batman book. But for me, this is by far the biggest.
1: Is this the biggest number 55 ever?
0: Uh, Yes, I think so if i'm wrong someone correct me but yes i think this is the biggest number 55 out there okay yeah it's exciting so every month we're gonna get a new issue this is awesome i love fiona staples nobody looks like her she has such a distinct style and so it's a real treat to have her work back on the shelf
1: yeah that's the most fun part of reading issue 55 for for me was just, you know, I mean, we look at a lot of comics, we read a lot of comics, all of us do. There are a lot of comics like this before and since, but none of them really look like this. It's like, it's a vibrant color palette, lots of purples and pinks and things that you don't really see in a lot of the other fantasy space sex comics that are out there.
0: (laughs) I think it's fantasy space sex comic. I also love the lettering is fantastic it's a little bit different and i like it because i it's still legible it's not just you know scrawled and weird for the sake of being different Uh, but it's great i'm just so so happy to have this back in my regular rotation it might actually convince me to go back and reread a bunch because uh yeah a lot happened in 54 issues and then three years later so if you haven't read this you should pick it up Given it is definitely mature content, it has some racy scenes, uh, lots of, like, sex and explicit notions, so uh, it's not for kids. Not for kids.
1: It's definitely not a shy comic. Not shy. Where, you know, any where anything is concerned. It, that's kind of what we like about it, is that it sort of puts it all out there. It does.
0: It's awesome. Okay.
2: I'm actually, I'm actually glad to hear there's a new starting point, because Sega is a book I always really wanted to get into. And But because of it been going on for so long, I was kind of afraid to jump in the middle and feel like I was getting lost. But if it's kind of like starting up again, uh, I'm in, I'll pick it up right now.
0: It is a really good place to join. A lot has gone on prior to it, but there are a lot of characters that, you you know, you you don't need to know them necessarily. You can jump in and and see where they head from here.
1: I think they did a very good job of bringing it back to sort of like trigger key points from reading it three, four, five years ago. I was impressed actually when I when this came out I thought like oh am I gonna am I gonna go back and read them all again which I would have been happy to do but I don't I don't think it requires that you do that.
0: Nope I don't think you do so check that one out for sure that's Image Comics the work of Brian K Vaughan and Fiona Staples. Okay this week we had a new number one from DC that I want to talk about it's called Monkey Prince and the reason why I picked this up is because it's written by Gene Lun Yang, and I really like his work. Uh, He's got a bunch of graphic novels that I have really, really enjoyed. Uh, It's the artwork of Bernard Chang. So Gene put out a book over a decade ago called American Born Chinese. And what I loved about it is it's sort of an exploration of a, a young kid's, you know, coming to terms with his culture and being proud of it instead of just trying to Subdue that because he wants to fit in in his American school. And it does have the character of like the monkey prince in it. So it's just a bit of a throwback to that. It's a traditional folklorist tale. And so he's really leaning into that heavily. Uh, he's also done a couple of other really cool all ages books, uh Secret Coders, which is a neat little science thing where you actually have to do some coding. You have to learn how to code a little bit and to solve some of the mysteries that the kids do so that they can like, you know, open secret passages and stuff like that. Really, really a neat series. And then uh, about a year or two years ago, he came out with a book called Dragon Hoops, which is about basketball. and kind of focuses on a school um, and especially this one particular teacher. And I believe it won an Eisner Award. So he's got some clout. He's definitely like worthy of the attention he's just an awesome writer so monkey prince uh, basically the story revolves around a young guy he's like in high school his family has moved around a lot mostly because when he was very young he was traumatized when batman came and visited his house and basically was kicking his mom and dad's butt until batman realized that there was a kid in the house and was like okay this is not cool, I'm leaving. And so they hightailed it and have been kind of on the run ever since. But now they're back in Gotham. And it turns out that they're the henchmen of Penguin. So his mom and dad is working for Penguin, but he doesn't know that. And he's just dealing with all this fear that he's got pent up because he's really screwed up from, you know, having Batman visit his house. And he meets this janitor in the school. And the janitor encourages him to look into why he has this fear and how to get past it because he has a heritage that is not connected to his mom and dad, but he is the monkey prince. And he's actually got like superpower. It's pretty cool. So I know it's just going to be a mini series. So again, you don't have to be married to it. You don't have to like buy a billion issues of this. I'm just excited that it's out there and I like the artwork, I like the feel of it and I'm excited
1: to see where it goes. Does this mean that if I was scared by Batman at a young age that I can get my own comic book too? No, probably not. Okay. Well, when I was a kid, you know, old enough to be scared by Batman, Batman was wearing powder blue pajamas. So,
0: <laughs> I don't think... not very scary. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we don't want to pull that thread. What did you think of
2: it, Brennan? Um, <clears throat> I quite liked it. Uh, I know it's a mini series. I'm not sure how many issues it's going to be. Um, issue one is a fast, fast, fast book. I mean, it's the pacing, you can almost say it's almost like a monkey, which kind of jumps around and things. It's one of the few times that I thought, you know, this book could have actually been cut up into like stretched out to be like two issues, maybe even three. Just because it's like this happens and this happens and this happens, right? Not in a bad way. You know, it's, it's nice and brisk, which is kind of good. But I almost kind of felt like when he discovers he's the monkey prince, that could have actually been like the end of issue one. That could be like the, whoa, that's the big end. And then new more stuff happens. But I really like the storytelling. The art is great. I like the reveals. We don't like, we find out his parents are just these henchmen just by, it. oh, there they are. Like, oh, cool, right? Um, which I like. There wasn't a whole bunch of foreshadowing. The only thing I find li- a little bit weird and this, just might be a bit of the comic nerd in me is how sloppy Batman is in this book so for the world's greatest detective to be like attacking this couple and then saying there's a child in the house would have if you knew if you tracked them down and knew where they lived would you not know that they had a child that just seems like detective work 101 you know again I'm not Batman maybe he's busy and missed that detail and then at the end I don't want to spoil it And it wasn't his fault that his aim wasn't where it should have been. But same thing. Like, usually he's the best at everything. He seems to be bumbling around a little bit, which I thought was a little bit kind of funny, but maybe also kind of out of character. And maybe that's the point. He's trying to recast Batman in a different light. And also the sharp batarangs. I wish I want to go back to the old school. Remember when, like, batarangs used to knock out people, not, like, cut them and things? Let's go back to that. Like, why do we have to, why does everything have to be so lethal? Uh, Besides that, though, fun read. I'm really curious to see how it goes, and uh, I would definitely pick up the next few issues. Yes,
1: I'm with you on the knockout batarang. A batarang's right? not a battering's not a shuriken. Batarang is no. a, what do you call those things they knock people out with? Like oh, the exactly. handle, <laughs> uh, a, a sap. Yeah, yeah. A batarang is a very effective sap,
2: like a blackjack.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's even cooler. See?
2: Yeah, but no. Frank Miller was a Frank Miller did it the first time, right? When the batterings became sharp, and now they're like a thing now, but. I liked it better when it's knocked people out I thought that and I mean if you were good enough with it you could probably angle it so the end could stick in something but they weren't like automatic razor blades so yeah. my little out, bring back bring back the knockout batterings.
0: yeah just have them hit flat I agree it, because that is Batman's kind of mandate is he doesn't kill he brings them to justice. He believes in due process.
1: Yeah, shuriken's kind of about killing. Literally. It's kind you're of not, about you're him. not incapacitating somebody with a shuriken.
0: No, that's true. Did you read anything else this week that you were excited about?
2: C- kind of. So I read Suicide Squad number twelve. So a few um, episodes ago, I was going on about Suicide Squad because I was very excited that Ambush Bug had become part of the team, and he's one of my all-time favorite characters. So that was a great time for celebration. Not going to lie, I kind of got behind in my reading. So I think I've missed the last two or three issues. But number 12 came out this week, so I had to pick it up. Um, the nice thing is, I feel like I haven't really missed much since the last one. <laughs> so I'm not sure what they've been doing for the last couple issues. But they seem to be pretty much in the same battle. Amanda Waller, though, has some big plan to the point where she's bringing in all these bad guys and heroes from all the different multiverses. She has them fighting against each other. She has some great big like Julius T's are going to take over Earth 3 kind of plot. We have uh, Amanda Waller on Earth Zero, and we have this suicide squad she sent out on this other mission to kind of get them out of the way on Earth 8. And it works really well here, just because both artists use a really different style, and it really gives you a a different approach. And I like it when they do it when it's consistent, just because it kind of makes for a neat flow of, of the book. Uh, Ambush Bug is awesome. He meets a counterpart and they at one point actually jump out of the panel and are like watching the battle, which I quite liked. Big reveal at the end. And it's kind of a spoiler, but whatever. At the end, she has this group combined to go to Earth 3. I'm like, OK. But then it says to be continued in the pages of war for Earth 3. I'm like, oh, man. So are we going to get another big crossover where everyone's going to be fighting over Earth 3? I hope that maybe Suicide Squad will just become the war for Earth three for the next few issues, but I'm wondering if it's a setup of something much much bigger, which sometimes I enjoy, but honestly, I usually find I'd like to skip them because I don't want to buy all the issues for something that I don't really care about. <laughs> um, anyway, I didn't. I really kind of enjoyed Suicide Squad number twelve. Again, I've missed a few, and I feel like I didn't really miss anything, but um, but it was a fun read. And to be honest, if you haven't been reading it. This might be the one to jump off for the next run, whether it's a big crossover or whether it's just in Suicide Squad, I don't know. Has, does, do we know? Is there another big Earth-3 crossover thing coming or is that just gonna be in Suicide Squad? Any, does anyone have any uh, insider information about that?
0: I should, but I do not, so I don't know. Okay, well, well I guess
2: we'll find out together. We're not meant to know. Okay,
0: there, that's a good answer.
2: There we go, but perfect.
0: I have one comic that came out last week that I wanted to talk about, uh, and that is Mary Jane and Black Cat. And it's part of this sort of, they call it the Beyond series. So there are these little one shots that are kind of in the Marvel universe. And in this particular one, it's an offshoot of Amazing Spider-Man. So Peter Parker got hurt and he's in the hospital. So Mary Jane, is visiting him and, you know, making sure that he stays in bed because, you know, if he gets up and tries to start fighting crime too early, like he's just going to make himself hurt more. And of course, Felicia, who is the black cat, she's coming to the hospital as well, doing the same thing. They're just like kind of taking shifts, keeping an eye on him, making sure that he is like taking his medicine properly. And she uh, goes to the hospital and the hood is there. He's figured out who they are and that you know this weird unknown photographer has their attention so he wants them to get his hood back so in a previous arc the hood's hood got eaten by this demon <laughs> and it, that's a spin-off of hawkeye so then his he's got a gun on peter and he says hey, greatest thief, if you don't go and get my hood back, I'm gonna kill Peter Parker. So her and Mary Jane go out to recover the hood's hood and they have to go through a sequence of people who were there when Hawkeye made this great steal and solved the problem so that they can get the hood back for Peter Parker's life. And surprise, they get the hood. But there's a twist. I won't tell you what it is. It was a delightful little romp. And I'm glad that it's not a series, that it's just one off. It's just one issue. And it's just girls getting the job done. Uh, It's written by Jed McKay. Art is by CF Villa. So if you want to pick that up off the shelf, it's pretty fun. Art's quite good. So yeah, try that out. Um, I had fun with that. It was a good issue. Okay, I think that's enough uh, comics talk for now. Let's talk about some movies. So uh, last time Brennan, you watched the first half of Bliss. And uh, I think we decided that the last half is probably not worth watching. So you have a review today of a movie called Fear of Rain. So please illuminate us with Fear of Rain.
2: So just continuing with my series of only watching half a movie, um, I happened to walk into this one near the back half of it. So unlike Bliss, where I watched the first hour, um, for Fear of Rain, I watched the last hour or so. So I'm going to review the last hour of the show. So it follows this young woman, her name is Rain, and she has early onset schizophrenia. So she has vivid hallucinations where she hears voices and uh, she sees people puts a huge strain on her family. She has visions of this young girl and she's convinced that it's real. Everyone tells her this person is not real. She convinces herself that her, I think it might be even her neighbor, who's one of her teachers, has kidnapped this girl. And then she goes on this whole campaign to like solve the case, Nancy Drew style kind of thing. The tone based on the last hour is a little bit all over the place. It has that look and feel, of kind of like a young adult, kind of a thriller kind of kind of show. For example, when she meets she meets uh, a boy named Caleb and he's a heartthrob and they go out on a date, and it's that whole like dating montage, I'm like, oh, it's cute, could be from any kind of young, you know, YA movie. But then, oh, Harry Kong Jr. is in it, plays the dad. And there's a scene where he gets really frustrated. And he wants her to take her medication. He pours it on the table and grabs it. just like shoving it in your mouth. And it gets like super dark all of a sudden. And you're like, whoa, where did this movie come from? And so it kind of goes on this line between sort of like this clean cut young adult movie to this sort of really dark thriller for no apparent reason. When there are scenes of her hearing voices, I thought they actually did quite a good job where they would animate these sort of scratchy looking graffiti graffiti letters telling her that, you know, uh, she's wrong. She can't do things which um, I thought was actually a fairly respectful way of trying to show what it might be like to hear voices that you can't tell if they're real or if they're not. The extent of her hallucinations were, I mean, fight club level, um, having complete conversations to the point where you're actually watching the movie wondering who is real and who isn't. And the people I was watching with kept saying, oh, I think that person's real. I think that person isn't. So I think there are some red herring things going on there where they're trying to trick you. If you were really having that bad of hallucinations, you would not fit into regular society as well as she does. And I don't mean that in a mean way. It's just um, if you're at that extent that you have these prolonged conversations with people, you would not be able to be in society in a way that she blended in as well as she did. Now, everyone made fun of her and stuff, but it, because they know that she had you know, schizophrenia. But besides that, she looked like the all-American girl kind of thing. Whereas, you know, very, her her life seemed quite normal, except for this, which is kind of what bothers me about the movie a bit, because I I get it. It's a thriller. They're using schizophrenia as the tool to make her an unreliable narrator. But that always kind of makes me nervous because I always find if you're using like an actual condition people have, you have, you could be pandering. It could be insulting. I saw one review that said, uh, Fear of Rain is a lurid horror film that takes aim at mental illness stereotypes. Now, when you watch Fight Club and at the end you realize it's all made up, he's so bonkers, you don't even think it's schizophrenia. You just think he's just bananas. You know what I mean? So you don't, it, 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 it seems okay. But when you're working with someone in this movie who seems like that's her actual diagnosis, it always makes me a little bit hesitant. There is a big plot twist at the end, which I didn't see coming, not going to lie. However, I didn't see the beginning of the movie, so that could be part of it. Now, I'm usually quite good at that. I once walked in late to a movie. I missed the first five minutes, and I knew who the person, the big twist ending was, right from, I I walked in, and I said, that's the person who's the murderer. And my friend said, no, it isn't. How would you know? And I was totally right. So maybe if I would have saw the whole movie, it wouldn't be that surprising. So like Bliss, I watched the first hour. We'll probably skip the second hour for Fear of Rain, which every time I see it, I have to say it like that, Fear of Rain. I watched the second hour and probably will not go back and watch the first hour. So I have watched two halves of movies that I can tell you, you can otherwise not watch the whole movie for. So there you go. You are very, very welcome, Punch listeners.
0: Thank you for your cautionary review. All right. Well, we watched something that is spectacular and that people should watch. It's pretty easily accessible. I think it's on YouTube. So you should be able to find it there. It's called Mick Q which is kind of a cursed title. I mean, McHugh, is that, how do you spell that? Who is that? What is that?
1: Kind of looks like MCQ. Like it might be like some nineties hip hop, but it's actually seventies cop drama. Yeah, seventies cop, not hip hop. 1974, directed
0: by John Sturgis. This one is amazing. It stars John Wayne as Lon McHugh, who is a cop, who his partner is gunned down in the street. And so he's going to find out why and what's behind it. And his journey results in a badge toss, but he still has to investigate. So he pairs up with his friend, Pinky, who is a PI, very Rockfordy, And that is played by David Huddleston, who is also the Big Lebowski. And he uh, starts investigating the crime and the wherefores and the hows and all the corruption and everything that's behind this horrible death that's taken place it's amazing it's so good
1: it's a story of a clean cop or a clean ex-cop trying to investigate the death of his partner who we know right away he was dirty but it takes the John Wayne character a while to figure that out and it's all happening on the streets of Seattle
0: yeah, which is cool because you don't very often see Seattle and it has a lot of landmarks that, you know, you do piece together like, oh, hey, that's Seattle. It has an excellent car chase on the beach with these big old sedans, you know, barely making it through the sand. Amazing. Lots of splashing.
1: Yeah, we've seen so many car chases out in traffic and in streets of towns, but very rarely do you ever take the sedans out to the beach at low tide for a car chase. Yeah. Yeah
0: awesome um there's another great car moment he has a really cool green hornet that he drives Mm -hmm. and uh he gets trapped in an alley by some people who are trying to do him in so he doesn't uncover their secrets and there's two big semis each from each end of the alley and one smash on one end and smash on the other end and smash and smash and smash and smash trying to make this car into a very teeny tiny block with him inside, it's so exciting,
1: it's so good. It's kind of like the old spiked walls trope, except each of the spiked walls is a semi-trailer in a narrow alley. Yeah, amazing. Uh, that's
0: worth the price of admission there. But it is notable also because of the cast. Everyone is stellar. Then there's lots of faces in this. Uh, I really like Colleen Dewhurst. She's an amazing Canadian actress. You might know her from the Anne of Green Gables uh, movie, as Marilla Cuthbert. Uh, She plays this character named Myra, and Myra is like an older gal. She works as a cocktail waitress, and she likes to do a little coke on the side, just recreationally, but because of that affinity, she gets tied into the underworld, because she's got to get a supply, so she has a line on information that McHugh delves into, and just fantastic chemistry wow what an actress so good
1: they actually make the cocaine addicted cocktail waitress a three-dimensional character in this movie
0: yeah she's a whole person it really is well done on the writing and on the acting um also faces that you'll recognize roger e mosley as uh rosie the pimp You might recognize him as TC from Magnum P.I.
1: Yeah, it's a character that probably didn't need to be a pimp. He just needed to be a guy who provided some street information. But, you know, it was the 70s and it was Roger E. Mosley, so they made him a pimp.
0: And Al... Letieri is Santiago.
1: Yeah. Isn't he uh Sollozzo from the Godfather movie He movies?
0: is Salazzo from, from yeah. The Godfather. So just great. Um, and it makes me want to watch more John Sturgis. Uh he did the Magnificent Seven in nineteen sixty, which is one of my favorite movies, as well as The Great Escape in
1: nineteen sixty three. He is, this is maybe the best movie ever.
0: Totally, and lots of awesome, awesome westerns. And we've just watched uh, "Eagle Has Landed" from 1976, his last movie uh, that he did just after he did McQ, and uh, really different. But we're going to save that for another day because we've run out of time. That may make
1: a good Friday find for some other time.
0: Another Friday find for sure. So look into the movies of John Sturgis, but especially put on your radar McQ. It's awesome. That wraps up our episode for this week. You know what to do in the meantime. Keep your Dukes up here on CFCR 90.5 FM.